Three weeks ago, Saturday, Hurricane Florence came upon the Carolina coast. It was a Category 5 hurricane just south of Bermuda, then lost, thankfully, some of that power. But when it came on the Carolinas, it was like a hurricane uh, Category 1, and it was slow-moving. That's the worst kind of hurricane, right? Like two to three miles an hour, and it just dumped all kinds of rain. Can you imagine stepping outside your house, or maybe in your house, and finding 35 inches of rain? 35 inches? And, of course, you had all the flooding that goes along with this, all the, the destruction. And there was one story that came out of it. There was a young family. Uh, they were in, uh, I don't know, their living room maybe, a dad and a mom and an infant. And a tree fell through the house and killed the mother and the infant. Now, what's the deal with that? I mean, here this young couple's just getting started, and uh, they're just trying to survive. And all of a sudden, tragedy strikes. It leads us to the question, why does God allow suffering? This is, according to George Varner's research, the most asked question that people have about God. How many of you ever asked you that question? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Whenever you talk about God, that's the first one out of their mouths. Because it's so personal. They're saying, if God loves me so very much, why would he ever allow this into my life? I mean, somebody who loves me is supposed to care for me and and take care of me. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's the oldest question that people have had. The psalmist wrote, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Are you asking that question this morning? You're saying, God, where are you? God, you see what's going on in my life? You you see the frustration and the pain and I'm really hurting. Where are you, God? And why'd you allow me to get into this situation in the first place? Now, as you listen and process this information, I encourage you to, first of all, to understand it theologically yourself so you can answer that question when it comes up. And the thing about it is no matter how long you've been a Christ follower, you're going to ask it again and ask it again and ask it again because it's a very normal question to answer. So learn it for yourself. And then as you move through this material with me, I want you to be able to, in a nutshell, Tell an unbeliever 
when they ask that question, you're telling them about Jesus, what about God and suffering? You would be able to take just some information from this message and be able to respond to them. And, and I would encourage you, as you go through this message, if you came with a spouse, a friend, kids, whatever, everybody think about that. And over dinner or sometime today, say, okay, why does God allow suffering? And practice, because that's how you really learn it and hone it and make it your own. Well, we're talking about the real God and today the sovereignty of God. God is the supreme authority and all things are under his control. He's sovereign. He is in control of everything. Nothing gets past him. Now, let's talk about that in relationship to pain. Boy, we're having a great time on our Real God spiritual adventure. Good feedback from our small groups. We've got our Sunday mornings. We encourage you to be a part of. Miss, listen to the podcast. A small group study book. Uh, we are out of that. And some of you realize that. We are sorry for the inconvenience. We have never sold so many of those. Isn't that great, huh? That shows that you guys are engaging. That shows you're taking this seriously. So way to go. And so we'll get more in this week. And if you put your name and email down, we'll notify you of that. And I think the key thing is that in the study guide, you can actually go and watch the videos yourself. So that makes a big difference when you can access the material. Uh, the family devotional. If you were here early, at the first part of our, our service, we had the family devotional for this week playing. It was just a beautiful video about the sovereignty of God, how he controls everything, that he loves us, and he wants to bring satisfaction into our lives through his relationship. And, and you can access that. In fact, I look at it every week. So get together with the family and go on our website and find out how to access those videos. And it's a great habit to start. Spending time talking about spiritual things with your family. And, of course, invite friends. This is a question, right, that some of your friends will have. So keep inviting friends out. So why does God allow suffering? Well, there's a couple different answers uh, that we can consider. This is the, the first one. And this is what a lot of people believe. They say, if God allows suffering, then there is no God. In fact, they have a model that kind of summarizes their deep philosophy of life. You've probably seen it on the bumper of a car. Stuff happens. Well, there's another word, but <laughs> right? <laughs> but isn't that a philosophy of life? There is no purpose for stuff to happen. It just happens, and it messes things up. But you just have to accept it because it's going to happen. Now, there's a very inspiring philosophy of life, right? That's something that can really get you through those tough times. Now, atheists say 
There cannot be a good God if there is suffering. That's their argument, right? Why would a good God, somebody who loves me, cause me to suffer? Because if I have a friend or a spouse, hey, if they're causing me to suffer, that's wrong. That's how the thinking goes. Then it goes on, but where does our moral sense of justice come from? See, that's the key thing that people cannot explain. If we just came from some primordial soup and we just are here by accident, why would we have any concerns about morals? What's right and what's wrong? Anybody seen these pictures? This past week, I was watching NBC News. I tape it at 5.30, and I watch it later on. And I turned it on at 5.30, and it was still going on. I'm thinking, 10 hours? Now, the interesting, yeah, longer than that. The interesting thing is, what were people concerned about? They were concerned about the truth. They wanted the truth. Brett Kavanaugh, Dr. Ford, who was telling the truth? We want to know exactly what happened because the truth is very, very important. Played out on the national and world stage. But when you talk to somebody, what do they say about truth? Well, you've got your truth, and I've got my truth. Friends, if you carry that out in logic, it doesn't go anywhere because we could just say, hey, why are you guys arguing about this? What's the big deal? The big deal is that God put within us a moral law. He gave us a moral compass, and of course, the United States is, again, ignoring God's moral compass. But it's interesting how quickly they come back to it. There is truth, and we want to know what it is. Truth is very important, and we need to continue to remind ourselves of this, and people are still concerned about it. They live, the, oh, everybody has their own truth, but when it comes down to an emotional issue like this, they respond. So when you're talking to a person about the fact that there is a God, they don't believe there's a God, just ask them about that moral question. Where do we get this from? I mean, if we just evolved and you know, there's really no purpose in life, right? And there's no reason to treat each other in a certain way because you might think this is the right way to treat people. I mean, let's face it. Some tribes on earth, they eat. They're people. <laughs> they eat other people. Uh, we don't do that, thankfully. But who's right? Well, of course, God's truth says don't eat people. <laughs> right? It's so funny sometimes when you're talking about this issue of truth because people have just been duped uh, by the world. Well, there's another answer. And that is God has given man free will. Now, this is part of the right answer, but there's another part that we also have to emphasize. God has given man free 
will. Now, again, and you, you guys are very familiar with this, those who've walked with the Lord for a while, to go back to Adam and Eve in the garden, and God gave them a choice to obey or disobey, uh, and they chose to disobey. And when they disobeyed, well, then everything went south. And it's gone south since then because they rebelled against God. They went their own way. And I know some of you are Adam haters. You know, like, why do you do that? But put yourself in the same situation. And say, maybe you might do that. <laughs> well, what happened was, is God had them go out of the garden, and life became more difficult. Uh, God cursed the earth, so it was harder to, to grow things. The work became harder. Pain and childbirth. Can you imagine childbirth without pain? Well, it happened. <laughs> it's interesting now. And again, this was a curse upon mankind. And of course, sin in all its ugliness was manifested in the first family when Cain killed Abel. It didn't take very long for the first murder, did it? That's how evil our hearts are. And so what happened then is that spiritual DNA was transferred from Adam to his children and so on and so on and so on. And we have received Adam's DNA. And that is a rebellious heart, a selfish heart, a heart that doesn't want to do anything for God. I think one of the best analogies of this is let's say that Adam is driving this school bus and this school bus goes back thousands and thousands of miles. I mean, it's just so long because it has everybody on the planet on it. Every woman, every man, every child, we're all on the bus. And what does Adam do as he drives the bus? He drives off a cliff, the cliff of disobedience, taking everybody with him, and he crashes on the jagged rocks of God's judgment. That's what happened, right? Adam's our representative. He drove us off the cliff. We continue to drive off the cliff. And, and we just break against God's judgment. And we are guilty. And we are penalized, or will be penalized if we don't choose Jesus. So that's what it's talking about in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Adam drove us off the cliff of disobedience under the jagged rocks of God's judgment. And that's why we have so many problems. That's why sin is just... Again, all over the news, all over our lives, other people's lives, it's a mess. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. That's because of God's curse on the world. That's why we have hurricanes and tsunamis and uh, tornadoes, all those different types of things. The world is cursed. Again, after they sin, God knew that they couldn't live here anymore on this earth. 
They had to come up with another approach, another plan to give us Eden, one might say, back. So, there is no God. That's not true. God has given man free will, but then we have to go the next step, that God is sovereign. Because sometimes we can say, okay, well, God set things up and he gave Adam and Eve, they had free will, and they made a really bad decision, and we're suffering because of it. And really, I mean, it's out of control. I mean, man has made the mess, and God just said, okay, whatever. Well, no, no. No, that's too far. Because God is in control. And this is where the tension comes, because, okay, well, if it's all man's fault, okay, well, God's a loving God, and they, they chose to do the wrong thing. But at the same time, when something evil happens, God allows it to happen. He could stop it if he wanted to. You think about uh, Indonesia, or the earthquake, and then the accompanying tsunami. I mean, they just got crushed, and they had the tsunami coming in, and all this mud, and, and like 1,600-plus were buried under this mud. This happened. Well, yeah, God allowed that to happen. If you say, well, you know, that's just the way it goes, and God doesn't have anything to do with that, that is not a complete knowledge of God. And friends, when it comes right down to it, if we say that God is out of control in any area, we do not have the God we want. It's really true. Let's look at some different aspects of this. God brings prosperity and creates disaster. Isaiah 45, 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. I make well-being and create calamity. That tsunami, that earthquake in Indonesia, God created that. God allowed it. And we say, now, wait a second. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure about that because he's in total control. Another issue, God takes personal responsibility for physical disabilities. Remember when Moses was asked to lead the people of Egypt, or excuse me, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt, and God went to him and said, you're my man, the burning bush. And Moses, he had all kinds of excuses, like we do many times, and why he couldn't do that. And one of the excuses was, well, I'm not an eloquent man. I'm slow to speech. I'm slow in tongue, he said. So there must have been something wrong because God responds like this. Then the Lord said to Moses, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? It is not I, the Lord. So he's saying, Moses, I made you that way. And I, I, I've chosen you. And Moses says, well, people won't listen to me. Yes, they will listen to you. 
God allows illnesses, different types of physical problems. Uh, it really is a mystery. I mean, one thing I want to say is that this is a very complex issue. All right? And I don't have so much time to address it. But as you grow as a Christian, you come to understand it more and more. How God can be sovereign over everything at the same time, allow sin and evil. But the more you mature, the more you understand it. You see the big picture and how it kind of all fits together. So I just wanted to say, you're not going to walk out of here, oh, well, that's, that's easy to understand. No, it's not easy to understand. And if this, is a, this is one of the first times you've heard this or you're a younger Christ follower. Again, as I always say, dive in, you know, get on the Internet and say, Bible, you know, Christian, uh, God and suffering, and you'll find resources. And you see, you have to feed yourself, right? Some people say, well, you know, I'm giving out of today's message, so I guess I'll go hungry for the rest of the week. <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm just here to encourage you and inspire you to feed yourself. Like as we are doing through this real God spiritual campaign. Again, studying the workbook and listening to the message and reading books. And yeah, you, you've got to recognize that you have the responsibility to grow spiritually. Right? And especially if you have children to help them to grow spiritually. Now Job, in fact I spoke on Job last year when we addressed this issue of the suffering. Why does God allow it? I like to speak on it every year because it's such a common question. We all need to be reminded of why it is and so we can explain it to other people. So, remember Job's encouraging wife when he was just, he had lost everything. And and we know, because we could see what happened in heaven, that Satan said, hey, that Job down there, you think he's committed to you? Well, you take away his wealth, you take away his kids, you take away his health, and he will curse you and die. God said, I don't think so. So, I mean, this was a little... A test going on between God and Satan. And so Job was just lying there in sackcloth and ashes and mourning, and his wife comes and says, Curse God and die. Well, that's what Satan would say, Job would say. But he said, But he said to her, You speak, my wife, as one of the foolish women would speak. I wouldn't, you know, <clears throat> wouldn't ask you guys to say that to your wife. <laughs> shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That's an interesting way. Hey, God gives us good stuff. And God allows pain in our lives. But we're so self-centered. It's like, no, I only want good stuff. I don't want any pain. Well, that's not the way the world works. Tony Evans, well-known teacher, everything is caused by God or allowed by God, and there is no other category. Now, again, that's, it's a mystery. 
You know, like the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You try to put that together, you know, with the frozen water and the water and <laughs> the mist. You, try. you can't explain it. It just takes faith that that's true. In the same way, I would say that the sovereignty of God, this whole issue of evil, yes, we can understand it to a particular degree, but beyond that, it's a mystery. And we just have to put our, our faith in God and say, okay, I can't understand this, but you certainly can. Again, we see Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. What did we say about this last week? Who are we to say that we, we, we understand who God is, right? Who are we to say that? We aren't anybody to say that. Many times, you know, when problems come into our lives, we have a little conversation with God. My conversation kind of goes like this. Well, God, <laughs> I'm hurting here, okay, and uh, I was wondering if you could tell me what's going on. So God says to Dan, Dan, you want me to advise you before I do something in your life, especially if it's painful? And I said, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm the one feeling it here. And so <laughs> if you could just give me some notice and tell me what I'm going to get out of this and how long the pain's going to last. I mean, hey, you love me, don't you? You love me? And God says, no, that's not going to work. That's not the way I work. You, you've got to trust me. And if you really knew what was going to happen, <laughs> that wouldn't be healthy for you either. You've just got to trust me. It's like, for example, let's say that uh, you get a job transfer and you're moving out to New York. And you really are part, let's say, of a great community, great schools, uh, great church. <laughs> and, and you say, I don't want to go. And your kids really, I mean, maybe they're late high school or who knows what, uh, you know, and they really don't want to move. I mean, they're totally, anybody ever had a kid like that didn't want to move? <laughs> I think so, right? And, and they're just saying, this is the worst decision you could ever make. Why are you destroying my life? But you know it's wise, right? You understand the big picture like need money, need more money, <laughs> right? Got to take care of the family and the kid's going, ah! So what do you do? You say, oh, little Jimmy, you're right. You're right. Are you feeling that emotionally right now? Well, let's go with that feeling. <laughs> no. You just move with you know, a lot of encouragement and things like that. Well, that's how we are with God. Well, we think we're pretty wise, don't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to talk back to God and say, God, hey, let's talk about this. It's like your kid saying to you, hey, let's talk about moving. I don't want to move. It's a bad idea, and I'll hate you for the rest of my life if you do move. 
And they say, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, again, you treat them more tenderly. <laughs> and then you move. And God is moving some of you people, and you, you're, you're just having a fit. This doesn't make any sense. Why? I don't like it. Stop it. I don't want to move. I don't want to grow. I don't want to follow your will. You know, it's interesting in Job, he went through all those problems and his friends, all oh, bad advisors. You know, oh, you must have done something really sinful. And it's a fascinating study because it's like 37 chapters of that and then 38 starts God's response. God finally shows up to answer Job's question. And did he specifically answer his question? No! What did he do? He told them who he was. He told them how powerful he was. He told him that he was sovereign. And by the end of those beautiful chapters, Job sat there and he was speechless. And some of us who are so frustrated with God, you know, we need to read those chapters, Job 38 to 42, and realize, who am I to question God? Who am I to say that I should have this type of life? Because we know that God works all things for our good, right? Romans 8, 28, it's a promise. And we have to trust in him and give that to him. So you have two choices. We can hurt with God or we can hurt without God. I'd rather hurt with God, wouldn't you? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 speaks of Paul Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh, something that was very painful for him that he wanted God to remove. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So he's saying, God, why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> I mean, I'm suffering for you, and I'm spreading the gospel. Could you just do me one favor? But God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. You have a thorn in the flesh. Something that's a part of your life and God's chosen to let it be a part of your life. And you've prayed many times, God, please remove this, and he hasn't. My thorn in the flesh is that uh, the way God created me, because of the fall, 
deformities per se, whatever you want to call it, but he created me with an anxiety disorder, which means that a part of my brain, the part of the brain that says, okay, this is certain, you're good to go, that part is weak in my brain. It doesn't work as well as other people's. And therefore, we all struggle with uncertainty, but I've really struggled with uncertainty because my brain's not working properly. And so when you can't seem to find certainty, your brain's not delivering, it leads to a lot of anxiety. And again, I go all the way back childhood and throughout my life, still impacts me every day. And I prayed a lot to God. Oh, Lord, why? I'd be more effective for you if I didn't have this thorn. It's so discouraging, Lord. It sucks. Not okay to say? I mean, it, really, it does. It's just like, you know, my life would be so much better if I didn't struggle with it. And God has taught me so many things through this. And he allows these things into our lives. And uh, I have so much compassion for other people because of it. Um, you know, God uses it. And this is the verse that I have to continue to grow to accept where Paul says, or excuse me, uh, God says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So what God is saying to me is, Dan, I gave you that anxiety disorder. I know it's painful. But I'm going to use you in a greater way because when I work through you, people are going to say, hey, this guy has issues. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, God, if I could do it all on my own, that would be better. No, Dan, 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 you get in the way, man. You get in the way. Step back here, okay? Trust me. And I'm going to do things that people will see and say, well, that's got to be God. And, and, and it tells us in Scripture that we, we comfort those who, well, if we've been comforted by God, we comfort other people. And... You know, I've realized in my life, I'm trying to accept it and all that kind of stuff. It's still a process. But one of the reasons God put me on the earth is that, hey, you know, you can have something that is really challenging. And, and, and God will give you the strength. God has given me the strength. I mean, it really is amazing. God has given me wisdom. And in the last several years, God's renewed me. God's re you tend to get depressed when you're, you're going through this type of thing, right? But God's renewed my strength. He gives you encouragement. I've grown so much. And again, that's why I'm saying, if you struggle with anxiety, please talk with me. I would love just to have a phone conversation or sit down because that's, that's part of my ministry. God gave that to me so I could minister to people and that I could know God better, right? And become a more like Jesus through it. 
So if you have an issue, or even a friend doesn't go to church, I'd love to talk with them. I mean, I've got a lot of insights, and, and that's what we're supposed to do. So you can pray with me about that. I've got those struggles along uh, the way. The third thing is that God suffered for us. God suffered for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, remember the bus, cliff of disobedience down into the jagged rocks of God's judgment. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. <laughs> Jesus Christ came to this earth. And friends, this is the strongest argument that you have when you're talking to an unbeliever. Here you have a God who loves you. And you are under judgment because of sin. So instead of just, you know, getting what you deserve, what he does is he comes down and becomes one of us. And I guarantee you, when you get to heaven... This is the last place you'll ever want to see. And you'll be amazed at how bad it was compared to heaven. And he knew how bad it was, but he came anyway. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us to live and work. And, and he suffered pain. Isn't that amazing that we have a God who, who's been in our shoes? You don't find that anywhere else in the major religions. He came down to be in, his, be in our shoes, so he lived the perfect life, and then he, as a God-man, could pay our penalty. He could be our substitute. And he died, and then he rose again. And because of that, because our sins are forgiven, and God's offering that to us, it's like, you know, we're down, you know, in the jagged rocks, the bus is all over the place, all kinds of people, and God says, here, take my hand. Take my hand, and I'll put you on the solid road. I'll take you away from judgment. I'll, I'll give you, I'll guide you to heaven. Guaranteed. And, and Maybe you're here today and, and you've been thinking all along that, oh, I have to be good, I have to perform for God, but it's just the opposite. You have to realize that you are off the cliff of disobedience and you deserve judgment. And Jesus Christ is reaching down and saying, just take my hand. I'll save you. I'll take you out of that penalty of judgment. Have you gotten to that point in your life? Boy, if you haven't, I, I encourage you to repent and believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And so you have Adam representing humanity, and then you have Jesus Christ who comes and rescues us if we'll allow him to do that. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
We're going to celebrate communion at this time. We have our communion servers come forward. And I was thinking about this service, and I said, oh, it would be cool to have communion at the end. Because, again, the fact that God chose to suffer for us, as I said before, I think is the strongest argument for the fact that God is sovereign and that God provides a way through Jesus Christ. And as we, uh, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want you to think about your own suffering, what you're going through right now, what's bringing you down, and uh, to realize that God is going to take care of you. God is going to take care of you. He will meet your needs. He'll give you mercy new every morning. He's there for you. But it, remember even more importantly that someday when we go to live with Jesus, there will be no more suffering because of the suffering that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Really think about that as we sing a song together.
Father, we come to you humbly today. Lord, for those of who those of us who know you personally, yeah, we were covered with sin. And you loved us even when we were covered with sin. And you died for us. And you took away that stain. And positionally right now, as you see, as we are holy, we're white as snow. And someday we will be with you. And be holy like you are. Lord, Forgive me for many times I've been prideful and selfish and um, trying to tell you what to do. Uh, I just pray for all my friends here and whatever they're suffering with that we would uh, learn to accept our suffering. It's not something that we're going to get rid of necessarily, but the beautiful thing about suffering and just sin and all that kind of thing is that we realize how amazing your grace is. Without sin, we wouldn't know how amazing your grace is and boundless your love and how you show up and change us and transform us and carry us. You're such a good God, Lord. We come to celebrate the sacrifice and resurrection of your Son. We take the bread representing Jesus Christ's body that was broken for us. And Lord, we take the cup, the lifeblood of Jesus Christ that was poured out, that he died. For us, thank you, Lord. Lord, we celebrate you today. I pray that the things we've experienced here would linger in our minds as we go through this week and help us to see you more clearly the way you really are. Take away the distortions. Take away our twisted thinking and help us to, to know you. In Christ's name.